Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we are right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Today's episode is sponsored by Wilderness Athlete. The vision and mission behind Wilderness Athlete is to help men and women improve their health and the quality of their outdoor experiences. Wilderness Athlete focuses on top-notch supplementation by supporting, building, repairing, and ensuring your next adventure is a successful one. With over 100 years of combined experience in nutrition, product formulations, and manufacturing, Wilderness Athlete can support you in the outdoors because they know exactly what it takes to get you to the finish line. Wilderness Athlete takes supplementation seriously and manufactures exclusively in the United States in NSF certified manufacturing facilities. Their standards and quality guidelines sets Wilderness Athlete apart from all others. Jump over to wildernessathlete.com and see how you can take your adventure to the next level. Use code HERINSPIRED at checkout for a discount. I'm not even sure if words can explain how excited I am for today's episode. It is a bonus episode, and I am honored to have this guest on today. She's somebody who I've personally followed for a really long time, and what she's walked through, where she's been, and the grace and the grit and the determination that she has overcome and implemented to get through it and get to the other side is a true inspiration and something that I look at to find perspective in my own life so often. Today, I'm really honored to have Kirsty Ennis on the show, and I just cannot wait to introduce you to her, her journey, and the words of wisdom that she shares on today's show. It's crazy to think how someone else's journey will impact the lives of people who they will they'll never know about it. You know, they'll never have any idea. And I think to some degree, you know, you probably understand the impact of the things that you're doing. But at the same time, you, I don't think you can. I don't think you can ever understand how much people look up to you and respect you. And you inspire people to, like, get through the you know, get through their hurdles and, you know, dig them out of the trenches that they're in. So I'm just honored to have you here and that you are, um, you know, willing to give me some of your time and just to inspire other people. Oh my gosh. No, thank you so much for having me. And especially thank you for those words. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, like you said, I realize, I realize what I'm doing only to, to a very small extent. Um, but it really does. It means so much to me to have people actually, um, you know, come up and, and vocalize it to me. So thank you. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I appreciate where you are and what you're doing. And uh, I guess without further ado, we are going to welcome Kirsty Ennis to the show. She is, like I said, just an absolute inspiration. She is a woman that I look up to in so many different ways for so many different reasons. And somebody that has really helped me in times where, you know, I can get in the mode of feeling sorry for myself or, you know, woe is me. It's like anytime I, I think about your journey or your mission or the words that you put out there, I am just so incredibly like kicks my ass to get out of my feeling sorry for myself and to do something different. So uh, welcome to the show. And if you wouldn't mind, just dive into who the heck you are and a little bit about your journey and your background. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so I served six years in the United States Marine Corps as a helicopter door gunner and airframes mechanic. Um, you know, I joined at the, the ripe age of 17 years old and just knew in my heart that it was what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to give my reason, my, my parents a reason to be proud of me like I was proud of them. And I really just wanted to do something for the greater good. Um, I knew at a very, very young age that I wanted to be a Marine. And when I was old enough, I just went after it. Um, Unfortunately, but I also say fortunately, um, on my last deployment to Afghanistan, uh, my helicopter went down, and as a result of the crash, I suffered some pretty severe injuries, everything from traumatic brain injury um, to some pretty severe facial trauma that resulted in the loss of my jaw and quite a few teeth, um, fractures in my cervical spine, damage to both arms, my eyes, my ears, and then um, some trauma to my leg that resulted in an above-the-knee amputation. And um, you know, obviously the, the physical injuries are pretty hard to adapt to, but obviously, um, the invisible injuries are the, are the hardest ones to overcome. So mentally and emotionally, um, I struggled quite a bit and in 2014, uh, the Marine Corps made me aware that they were actually going to medically retire me. And that was a pretty devastating blow. You know, I've lost myself mentally, physically, emotionally, and, you know, now, you know, res- you know, being kicked out of the one thing that I, that I really loved, white blood green as they say and um since then i i've really just repurposed myself i had to figure out how the heck i was going to continue serving people if i couldn't you know serve in the marine corps anymore and since then i've done you know i've really just thrown myself into all sorts of charity work but through let's just call it adventure (laughs) or extreme (laughs) athletics um, i started competing alongside team usa for paralympic snowboarding um, and that segued me into into the mountains, and I started to rock climb and ice climb, and then ultimately uh, I ended up mountaineering. And I decided that I wanted to climb the highest peak going to the seven continents um, and do it for charity. So right now I'm actually more than halfway done. Thank God I have climbed four of the seven, and I have no intentions on stopping. I just got back from. Argentina, not too long ago, climbing the highest point in South America, uh, which stands at 22,841 feet. And in just a couple of weeks, I actually jump on a plane to head to Everest. Uh, Holy smokes, right? (laughs) Talk about a course change in your life. And I mean, I think it's probably pretty crazy for you to look yourself to kind of like stand third party, get out of yourself and just go wow, my life has changed so much. And it's crazy because you you said you knew from the time that you were a little girl that you wanted to be a Marine. Like that was going to be, that was going to be where you went and what you did. And, you know, having a family who was, you know, they both served and they were both Marines, like that's, that's what you knew. And so how has that perspective changed? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of adaptation, I imagine, as you go, you know, from being active in the Marines to being active now serving and serving other people just in a different way. How much has your mental, you know, strength and mental perspective had to change to be able to do what you're doing now? You know, I sat, not too long ago, I sat back and I was, I was truly reflecting on my life and where I've been. And I came to the realization that, you know, if, from the ages of 17 to 23, I was serving people in the military, but now I can honestly say that I live my life for other people. And it's pretty, it's a pretty special thing to be 28 years old now 
and to wholeheartedly feel like I found my purpose for the second time. Um, I really think, you know, these things happen to me. Uh, you know, I, I will, it's, a, it's been a blessing and a curse. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, a blessing in the sense that, uh, you know, look at, look at the life that I live now and a curse in the sense that I wouldn't wish it on my own worst enemy because it has, it's been hell and high water. Um, but I look at everything that I've gained since all of these things has ha- have happened and it's really my perspective on life and the perspective that I have about people and opportunity. You know, every person that comes into my life, I, you know, I look at the relationship or the friendship that we have and I count my blessings because had this awful thing not happened to me, you know, had I not lost my leg, had this helicopter not gone down, these people, these people and these opportunities wouldn't be in my life now. Um, and yes, of course, it took me a little while to get to that point. But now, you know, I could, I look at everything that, that I've gained instead of what I've lost. Right. Absolutely. Well, what do you think have been the most like pivotal pieces to that? And I'm sure that there have been a lot of them, but how do you find the ability to take that perspective and not just, you know, want to just kick up your heels and go like, I, I'm done. I, I don't have the will to keep going. Like, where do you find that piece of the mental puzzle to take that perspective and to do something different with it? So there's two, two things that come to mind. Um, one, and during my recovery, I really did. I had a, I had a hard time. Um, you know, I really wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to give up. I, you know, I was tired of living. I was tired of fighting. I was tired of trying. And then I realized how selfish that was, um, that there's a lot of men and women that never made it home. I made it home. I came home, you know, yes, damaged and broken. And I had a long way to, a long way um, to be like to recovery, but I made it home. Like if I sat down and stopped living my life now, imagine like the dozens and dozens and dozens of families that would be looking to me um, when they don't have their loved ones. And that really sat with me. In that moment, I decided that I was going to continue living my life for the men and the women that never came home. And on the flip side of that, um, I've always been like a super competitive person, but I've never really wanted to compete with anybody else. So every day I basically look at my life and look what, look at what I did the day before. And I try to do something, something more the next day. Um, you know, whether it's be a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, a little more efficient, whatever it is, just a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more of a person uh, than, than the person I was yesterday. So it's, um, it's really come full circle. Um, it's been the evolution <laughs> of a human for sure, because I've had really high highs and I've had really low lows at this point. Yeah, definitely. I remember listening to, I think it was an interview that you did with uh, Wilderness Attitude um, with Brian Waddell and he, and you were talking about this journey and in your time when I think you were still going through surgeries and in the hospital, because you lived there, right, for quite a long time in the hospital. Yeah, um, I lived at Metal, uh, San Diego Medical Center for, gosh, two years. Yeah, a long time. And you you kind of were at that place, from what I understood, of I'm I'm done. I, I don't want to fight this fight anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm over it. And your dad came to you with some pretty uh, eye-opening and earth-shattering words do you remember what you said on that podcast yeah um, well first and foremost I'm super lucky to have the parents that I do have um, because obviously they were super supportive of everything that I've been through but they also gave me the tough love that I needed um, mm-hmm. in, a, on a, in a few different circumstances and um, 
the one that you're talking about specifically was on June 23rd, 2013. Um, you know, I wanted to give up. I was done. I was sick of it. I was, I was hurt. You know, I was broken. My heart was broken. My body was broken. You know, my mind was broken. And I felt like I was robbed of everything. And I decided that I, life wasn't worth living anymore. And luckily I was surrounded by some really good friends that caught on to what happened. And the following day, uh, when the hospital had contacted my family, my dad came to me and he told me, uh, you've got to be shitting me. You know, the enemy couldn't kill you and now you're going to do it for him. And that's the moment that the light bulb really went off. Um, you know, I, that's the moment that I realized my actions and the way that I handled my recovery was going to affect absolutely everybody around me. You know, our recovery is a choice. You know, we choose how change is going to affect our lives. Um, and it took, it took some pretty awful experiences for me to finally get to that point. Um, but without my dad coming to me and saying that and, and really busting my ass, for lack of better terms, um, you know, I, there's no telling if I'd even be here today. Yeah, that, that rock bottom, that, that point where, like you said, the light bulb went on and, you, and there was that realization. And, you know, that's just another element of the journey. But I think so many people get to the place in life where they're like that whether they've gone through something that you've gone through and they've served or they're, you know, walking their walk of life and it's a different kind of a trauma or if it's a different kind of obstacle or hurdle, people get to that point where they just go like, my hands are tied. I don't even know how else to keep trying. I don't know how else to keep pushing through. And I think it's one of those areas where every person that is going through something like that in their life, whether that's a huge thing or it's a, just a daily struggle, has to find that place where you go, this is what determines what happens next. This is the moment and I'm going to you know, take it seriously and change the future because every one of us has to have that rock bottom point where we decide that we're going to do something differently. Yep. No, absolutely. And that's, I mean, and that's the hard part too, is people, not people, I mean, myself included, um, you know, it's not easy to grow. You have to embrace being uncomfortable because, yeah, change isn't isn't something that's going to put you in your happy place. But like you said, to be able to define the life that you're going to live, you have to be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. How do, how do you get over that fear, though, of going through it? You know, like people that are faced with opposition or who have been through trauma, like how do you how do you overcome the fear of just lacing it up and walking through it? Really, I mean, like I said, everything boils, for me anyways, everything boils back down to perspective. You know, like I said, I could sit here and I could be upset about everything that I've lost. I've lost my leg. I've lost my memory. I lost my career. I lost years of my life to the hospital. Or I can sit back and look at what I've gained. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, it's it's easy to be negative. You know, the, the hard part is, you know, choosing to be positive and choosing to look for that silver lining. And so, the like... As long as somebody can identify something that needs to change, they just have to change the way that they view it as well. Uh-huh. Um, and you can you can focus on the struggles or what's going to make you uncomfortable, or you can find the light at the end of the tunnel and say, you know, you know what, this is you know my family is going to be affected by this, my career is going to be affected by this, you know, my personal life, uh, school, or whatever it is that you have going on. If you choose to realize, you know, the big picture and the snowball effect of making that positive change. Um, you know, I think it's easy to recognize the value and the worth in it. But until you do that, if you just look internally and look at, you know, you as the individual, um, it's hard to find that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, just like me, I, uh, I didn't, I couldn't fight for myself. You know, I, I gave up on myself 
but it becomes really difficult to give up when you recognize the fact that there is a support system surrounding you. There are still Marines in your life or, you know, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for the people that are around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that there's such, um, like debating, uh, perspectives on that, right? So you, you'll hear a lot of people, they'll say, you need to quit doing things for other people. You've got to do it for yourself. But I think that there's a difference in that really low bottom and going like, at some point you have to give up on the things that you want or don't want for yourself because you don't have that strength within you. But if you look to the outside, your kids or your family, your parents, your grandma, your aunt, your best friend, and you see how what you do and who you are affects them, then it's easier sometimes to grasp on the will and the desire and the determination to do things differently because it's not about you anymore. Just like you said, like you're doing more now than you were doing before. And that perspective for you is is enabling you to change so many lives now. Well, thank you. And no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Your your drive just in life, it, you know, even before this accident, you graduated high school by 15 and then graduated from uh, with a, I'm guessing, a two-year degree by 17 and then have gone on to complete three masters and are working on a doctorate in education. <laughs> yeah. All through going through the things that you've been through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been wild. But honestly, like I, like I said, I almost feel like I've, I've gotten addicted to it. You know, I've, I've set the bar for myself and now I'm just going to continue pushing it. How do you find that constant drive? I know outside of the perspective of all these things, you know, just, just in getting, you know, three masters and pursuing further education. Like, is that, have you always been a very driven person in that way? I've always been, I guess, fairly driven, um, but now it's really, now it's more or less to show the world that, um, that I can't stop, <laughs> that I won't stop, you know, um, yeah, I really love, I really love well, at least trying to be that beacon of hope for some people, and I really love being able to, like, inspire the next generation to use more of their potential, and so, like, even when it's with school, um, the reason that I haven't stopped or I didn't settle with one master's was because when I was in the hospital, my doctors laughed at me uh, when I said that I wanted to finish my last year of my master's in psychology, you know, and they told me basically not to get my hopes up because my brain injury was too bad, uh, that I'd fail my classes, that, you know, I'd owe money, the government would owe money, and that it just wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the moment somebody tells me that, that's the moment I'm going to turn around and figure out a way to do it. Um so it's really just, it's pretty symbolic of just showing, you know, that anything is possible if you're willing to work for it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging, but it is possible as long as you make the effort. Um, and again, it's almost kind of like being addicted to it at this point. Like, um, I don't want to settle. You know, if, if I'm curious about something, whether it's some, you know, a sport or it's academics, if I'm curious about it, I'm going to get after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to master that skill set. What's been the scariest thing for you to like just grasp onto as far as like a new skill or uh, further in education? Like what's been the one that you're like, I know I can do this, but holy shit, this is insane. Um, honestly, the my biggest fear has been failure, but I think that it drives me. Um, you know, every day I get up and whether it's, you know, working for my foundation or working in my personal life or like you said, athletics or academics, that biggest fear is failing. Uh-huh. But the reality is if you fail, you've learned something, you can brush yourself, you know, brush yourself off and get right the heck back up. Yeah. Um, so 
I think all people also have to like embrace failure. You know, failure isn't like the end all be all. It just means that you have room room for growth. Uh, so yeah, it, it drives me in a strange way. And uh, even on the mountains, you know, people always ask me, they're like, "Oh, what's your biggest fear?" And I always say, like, um, you know, it's not really, it's not death. You know, I don't really fear anything in that way. But you know, if I have to make that gut wrenching call to turn around, uh, mm-hmm. like that's that's the one that like that scares me the most. But it's also the one that keeps me putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people have that fear of failing and so because of that a lot of people don't try or they find ways to sabotage what they're doing and their mission that they're on because all of a sudden things get difficult and then they're like I might I might I'm not going to succeed at this so how can I decide right now that I won't get there so that when I try and fail it's not so hard you know what I mean so we kind of I think a lot of us are living way 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 less than what we should or could or have the ability to do but we get into this comfortable spot where we go man if I don't try very hard then I don't put myself out there and fail essentially yeah well um, you know and on the flip side of that I also think we as a whole as society and like we have this a fear of no but the reality is if somebody tells you no that's just another chance to come back for the answer of yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I always take no as a challenge. And I think, I don't know what it takes to get more people, you know, to that point, but I do, I think people should view, you know, you can't or no or any of that. Like take it as a challenge. Don't take it as the end all be all. Yeah. Go get your popcorn. Cause you're going to watch this happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So didn't you, uh, I can't remember when it was, but you did a one K, walk across the UK for fallen soldiers. So you did a thousand mile walk and, uh, you took, uh, something with you. Would you tell us a little bit more about that journey and kind of what sparked that desire to do that and who it was serving? Yeah. Um, so back in 2015, um, it's kind of one of those things where I was, again, um, you know, everything that I do, there's heart and there's passion and there's purpose behind it. Um, so I was, I really wanted to do this thousand mile walk, um, a to honor, my Marine buddies who never made it home or they took their life at their own, at their own hands once we made it stateside. And, um, I also wanted to use it as a means to fundraise and raise awareness for you know, a deserving nonprofit that was truly making a, a difference in the lives of veterans. Um, hopefully to veteran suicide and to stop our friends from taking their own lives. And I ended up making 25 Memorial dog tags, for each one, um, for each fallen Marine, carried each one for 40 miles and then left them in significant places with a poem that I had written. And the intention was that, you know, a stranger would come along, find this memorial dog tag and the poem, um, and then, you know, go forth with their lives and honor our fallen. And, um, it was something that obviously took a lot of heart. It was the first time that I had done anything like that. I'll never walk a thousand miles ever again in my life, just for the record. But, you know, it was really my first taste of, you know, doing doing these activities, if you will, that, that I'm doing now um, for the greater good and to continue serving our fallen, honoring our fallen, but then also serving our current active duty and veteran populations. And, um, yeah, that was it, honestly, it was the catalyst. Um, now to this day on all of my climbs or um, any of these big um, adventures, if you will, uh, I actually carry a, a memorial dog tag for another fallen mm. individual. Mm. 
it's a, it's, it's definitely an area that, you know, I've not been in the military. I have family that's served, but I will never begin to understand, you know, what you go through and, and the men and women that serve our country. And I just can't help but feel like there's such a lack of effort to help those veterans and to help the men and women who are standing up for us and serving our country try to find some sense of normal and some sense of comfortable when they get out of the military and when they come home and when they're reintroduced into you know civilization and and day-to-day things it's it's uh definitely an area where I feel like there needs to be a lot more going in right than than being asked of so um you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more about the Kirstianis Foundation and what you're trying to do as far as, you know, that goes. And if there's ways that other people can help or volunteer or donate, um, could you talk a little bit about your mission with that? And uh, just, I don't know, let us know what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so the Kirstianis Foundation, I found it actually last year, and it was really a means to legitimize what I was doing. Um, you know, leading up to last year, I had really just been, you know, collecting money via different platforms, um, you know, and giving it to these um, organizations that I truly felt like were dedicated to their mission of helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's turned into this just amazing thing. Um, my foundation, again, the Kirstianis Foundation, we financially support deserving nonprofits. Uh, we provide education opportunity and healing in the outdoors and then we are actually in the process of finalizing a means for individual scholarships and then also different recreational therapy clinics throughout the year for um, just different populations whether it's women or disabled veterans and of course kids as well Um, so yeah I mean it started out as something very very small but now it's flourishing into something pretty easy and I'm extremely proud of it Um, so when I actually go to Everest that's the big, you know, that's hopefully going to be our big fundraiser of the year, rally a bunch of people to support the climb. Obviously, we're 100% uh, volunteer-based, so none of those donations come to me. Um, I pay for my climbs 100% out of my own pocket. Um, all of the donations go back to helping um, our beneficiaries and the individuals and families that have applied, um, applied to our foundation. Um, but yeah, for everybody that wants to follow along, we're on social media, um, on Instagram and on Facebook as the Kirstie and S foundation and feel free to check out the website too. Cause we have some pretty cool stuff going on there. Um, everything from my blogs, from the climbs to you'll, you guys will actually be able to track me on Everest. Um, I'll be able to send back live feed, um, you know, photos and videos and the likes of that nature. And it'll all be on, um, kirstienesfoundation.org. That's awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to follow along with that. But I have to ask you, like, so doing the seven summits is obviously a huge undertaking. And I remember seeing the video, I think it was posted on Instagram after you were in Argentina. um, And you made that summit and you were actually told I don't even know that you knew ahead of time that you were the first female amputee to summit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know um, at all. I had in my heart that, yeah, somebody else, you know, beat me to the top of this mountain. But actually, um, a female amputee, uh, she's a park ranger, she had waited for me to come down. Um, she met me in the final checkpoint, and she let me know that I did, in fact, make, make history. Um, I was the first woman amputee amongst the many men amputee uh, to stand on top of Aconcagua. And... 
God willing, um, everything goes according to plan on Everest. I'm looking to write history again and be the first female above knee amputee to summit Everest and the first amputee to snowboard Everest. Uh, insane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you ever have to like look at yourself and go like, is this really my life? Um, I do that every day when you wake up. Yeah. But, again, I always think about the people that are watching. Um, yeah. I didn't have a role model in the hospital. I didn't have specifically a woman, you know, whether it was the self-esteem side of things and owning my differences and loving my body, even though it's scarred up and a bit different now, um, or even when it came down to, you know, the athletics and going out and trying new sports, I didn't have that role model. Um, so now I just strive every day to be that role model, whether it's for men, women, or children, with or without adversity. Like I just hope to, I hope to be that person for somebody. Yeah. Um, so, so. And you and you are at least a couple, Kirsty. <laughs> at least a couple. <laughs> um, I think that all the time, and that's actually been a huge driving force for me. And you know the the very small feeling things right now that I do as far as like you know, competing or doing challenges or running or even doing things personally in the back of my mind, like if I'm ever training or if I'm ever out doing a run or doing a race and I start to feel tired and I start to feel the want to give up, I always think they're watching you. They're, yeah, they're, 100%. They're, uh-huh, they're, they're watching you They're I mean, I could be out in the middle of nowhere on a run, you know, and they're like, they're, they're watching you. They're going to know if you stop, they're going to know if you quit, they're going to know if you, <laughs> you know, ease up. And so it's funny that you say that. Cause that's a huge driving factor for me. And I always feel like, man, that's kind of weird that I say that to myself, but, but it's true. You know, like we want to be able to, to do things on a, on a bigger scale and to prove to ourselves like that, that we can do that. And I think a lot of times if you just, kind of give yourself that extra push by thinking, you know, some, somebody might need this encouragement or somebody might be looking to you for inspiration. It'll definitely help kick your ass up over that next hump for sure. But I have to imagine the training regimen that you go through on a, on a daily for one, just to kind of upkeep and to keep your body in balance, but two, for, for summoning Everest, like how do you even begin to train for that? What is your recovery like? (laughs) Um, yeah, but it's nonstop, I will tell you that. That's uh, one of the main reasons that I plan all of my expeditions so close together. Um, you know, I've only had, what, three months in between Aconcagua and Everest, but I never really let myself get out of mountain shape. Um, the best way to be, you know, to actually be able to be a mountaineer and be successful is time in the saddle. And, you know, you have to be on the mountain. You have to be fully aware of how mentally you're going to react to altitude, but also how your body's going to react to altitude. Um, but I do a ton of strength and conditioning. Um, I move obviously totally different than the normal, if you will, person. Um, I use my right quad gets smoked. My shoulders are absolutely destroyed by the end of every climb. So my like main emphasis areas, um, when I go into the gym anyways, are definitely my right quad, uh, my shoulders and my tries, because when I'm on the mountain, um, I use these forearm crutches and it is no kidding. Exactly. Like doing thousands and thousands of right leg lunges and thousands and thousands of tricep dips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maintaining those two are huge. And then I also do a fair amount of like interval training, um, just to simulate my heart rate, you know, spiking at altitude, being able to regulate it, letting it calm back down and then getting it right back up. Um, so it's nonstop honestly, but, um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and there's always a goal. If I can like give one piece of advice to anybody training for everything, set your small goals, but also keep like your big goal in mind too. Like little victories are just as important as as the major ones. 
While you may not be out climbing the tallest peaks on seven continents, but we can all benefit from taking better care of our joints and protecting ourselves from the inevitable damage of the day-to-day -day grind. Joint Advantage from Wilderness Athlete provides key nutrients for joint lubrication and combating inflammation. Joint Advantage will also help support fluid mobility, flexibility, and range of motion, including increased blood flow to your joints. If you want to help support yourself, combat nagging joint pain, and postpone joint deterioration, you definitely want to look at adding Joint Advantage into your daily supplement game. And for those of you who are looking to support your cardiovascular system, get ready for a big climb or preparing for a big game hunt at elevation, check out Altitude Advantage. Things get real at elevation, where oxygen and pressure levels drop, and it puts you at risk for acute mountain sickness or worse. Start preparing your body now to adapt to the increased demand elevation by throwing Altitude Advantage in the mix. Altitude Advantage will focus on supporting your body's physiological response at high elevation and works to combat inflammation, fatigue, and lactic acid buildup. It also helps to support and improve circulation throughout the body, including the brain and lungs, with a specific formulation of antioxidants and other key ingredients. Head over to wildernessathlete.com and use code HERINSPIRED for a discount at checkout. Amen, sister. I can't, I can't back that up enough. I say that all the time. Like, it's awesome to have this goal. Like, I want to go hike Everest. Yeah, that's awesome. However, what you do in the meantime determines if that thing happens, you know, so it's, it's really good to have those important, smaller bite-sized pieces that you're putting, you know, in the puzzle at the same time. If you don't celebrate making those smaller victories or reaching those little, you know, little benchmark things, you're never going to have enough confidence in yourself to make the final push, you know, so you definitely have to have those victories and to celebrate them. I mean, I think all the time you said earlier in the podcast, like we focus so easily on the negative. Uh, absolutely. We're people have such a mindset to see the negative things and it's not very often that somebody will actually give themselves praise or a pat on the back for a job well done especially if we think it's like oh it's stupid it's just this small thing it's like if it's a victory it's a victory right absolutely pat yourself on the back from time to time yeah definitely that uh the uh, voice in your head and the conversation that you have to have with yourself has to be a good one it has to be healthy and positive and you know self-loving otherwise you get sucked into this spiral of you know I'm not good enough I'm not worthy I'm not I'm not special I'm not you know nothing about me is is you know worth celebrating so um I have to ask I so on on this tour so far you, did you say you've got four of the seven done yeah, yeah, I do. So four of the seven. Out of those four climbs, what has been, like, the number one moment? If you could go back and snap your fingers and be there right now, you'd like to be there. Oh, so, and I instantly know the answer. So <laughs> back in June, July of 2017, um, I climbed the highest point in Oceania. So basically it clusters Australia and all of, like, the surrounding islands and whatnot um, in smaller countries. And uh, went down to Indonesia to climb this mountain called Karstens. It's... The most technical and volatile mountain the world has to offer and the whole climb was absolute hell um, just everything went wrong the weather was awful the trek in just to the base of this rock face was miserable obviously like you know you people are you know people are getting hurt left and right there's been countless deaths on this mountain and you know there was just nerves are just going insane the whole time well 
I actually had a camera crew that came up on that climb with me, and um, we, we after we summited, and I did, thank God, summit, but um, after we summited, it, we got to the moment where it was like, the weather's bad, people are freezing, like, we could die. Turn the cameras off and let's get the hell down. And um, I get to one section where it's already dark, I'm freezing cold, I'm soaking wet, um, and I went to go grab my figure eight and get on the line to rappel down a certain section, and I just lost it. Uh, my hands weren't working, I mean, I'm absolutely exhausted, and my camera guy grabs me and basically says, you need to get your shit together because this is where everyone dies. And, um, like, in that moment, I was terrified, like, I was hurting, I'm sure my brain thought I was pretty damn close to death, and, um, hands down, my most favorite moment, because the closest, like, the closest we feel like we are to dying the more you feel alive. Mm-hmm. In those moments, those are the moments where you actually feel sound. You feel the colors. You you feel the terrain below you. Like, you feel absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, and those are the moments that I live for now. Um, you might be close to death, but you feel the most alive. Uh, and it's, it'll just sit with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> I actually have the words die living tattooed on my wrist now because of it. That's super powerful. And you're totally right with that. Like, I think every person can probably have some some version of their own experience where they just missed, you know, a car accident or they just missed, you know, these these events that really led them to that place. And it's funny because I know for me personally, after that moment, you're like, you love everything and you appreciate everything. And like you said, you feel everything and you want to, you know, you want to be more patient and you want to be more graceful and you want to, you want to do things differently. And as you were talking about that, I was trying to envision where you were and how you were feeling and the power of that moment and the energy that goes into that. Like if you could bottle that up and every single day, take like a double (laughs) shot in the morning of that level of appreciation of life and that, that love for living and for doing good things, gosh, this world would be a really incredible place, but it's, uh, you're you're dead on like you you can't ever understand how alive you can be unless like your life is at stake absolutely most people most people think I'm crazy when I talk about that but I mean I I really can't explain it it's just perspective again I mean I guess it ties back to like when I was hurt it's all perspective I I value life way differently than I did before I was hurt Mm -hmm. yeah that's good to have that perspective and appreciation and, uh, you know, just just be able to have that mindset because it doesn't just happen overnight. You don't just, you know, have one event that happens and you go, okay, I'm just going to do things differently. No, it, like, it takes going through hell and back over and over and over. And for you, especially to have so many setbacks along the way, it, you just have to build your resilience during the process of it. And Absolutely crazy girl. Um, so what is your recovery like then? So you, you're training quite a bit. Your regimen is, you know, pretty intense. You're always staying in mountain shape. So how, what do you do to recover? What, how do you optimize that? I know that, you know, you do use wilderness athlete products and those help a ton as far as keeping your protein high and getting branched chain amino acids and rebuilding muscles. But like, what is your particular like go-to for recovering from your daily regimen and then coming off of a big summit like this? 
Yeah, so um, I live in a complete like world of chaos all the time. There's something going on. I honestly have very little time to myself, but sometimes my recoveries happen in the morning, sometimes they happen in the evening, and um, I always make it a point. I think having a healthy mind and having, um, it's going to sound cheesy, but having a healthy soul is like key to being able to do the things that I'm doing physically. So I always make it a point to, to make time to A, stretch and roll, but also meditate. Um, sometimes it's while I'm doing yoga, um, but I, I truly believe that to be able to continue doing what I'm doing, I have to have a sound mind and a sound heart. Um, so I always take time for those two things, um, spe- specifically meditating um, um, in, in every day. But then um, like coming off of the mountain, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I honestly don't even know if I could say that I recover after I come home from a mountain. Um, I always do different forms of like an active recovery. Mm-hmm. Just because if I go from putting myself through that much hell for, you know, a month or two straight, if I let my body stop, I almost like seize up. Like nothing wants to work anymore. Like, you know, throwing your body to shock, like, all right, well, why am I not, you know, beating myself up today? So I always do some sort of like some form of, um, we'll say like swimming, something where my heart rate's still going, like still increase, but it's not taking a huge toll on my muscles, my knees, my joints. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, outside of that, um, yeah, that's pretty much my recovery regimen main thing that I've been really working on is making sure um, I stretch because I do an awful, awful job of that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where, especially for somebody who's really driven, like you want to maximize the time that you're getting shit done, not the time that you're like (laughs) loving on yourself. You know what I mean? And with a high drive to be able to, you know, you want to be in the best shape possible. You want to be able to get up that mountain. You want to be able to like, the summit needs to happen. And so whatever you can do to get ready for that, but it's, it is really hard, like the stretching piece, like as a coach for me, getting my clients to stretch, it's like 10 times easier to get them to do uh, like a 10 times harder workout than it is for them to take things back a couple notches and stretch, which is just insane to think about. But it's universal, um, like that's a universal language, like people hate to stretch. I, and you know what, like I said, I am an absolute failure at it thus far. But it's the one thing that I know I need to do, um, especially for people who, I mean, maybe not as severe of an injury like me as an above knee amputee. But, you know, if you have any sort of an injury and you're forcing your body to compensate, whether it's from your day to day life or you know, obviously being active, take the time to listen to your body. Take the time to stretch because in the long run, um, yeah, your body's going to thank you for it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying my price now and I've only been an amputee for a few years and uh, my body feels like it's 50. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely important. The foam roller too, you know, you said that you get on the foam roller. That for me is something that I, I have clients incorporate as much as possible. In fact, I did a really heavy leg day on Monday and my, I'm so freaking sore. I like walking into the gym, like, I'm like, people are going to think I have to poop really bad or something because <laughs> I can't even walk right right now. But um, yeah, so getting on the foam roller and just giving yourself some love and getting the blood flowing and, and doing the myofascial release. And it's like a massage. Sometimes it is an awful massage, but it's a massage nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, so your personal mantra, which is something that I've been kind of replaying in my head over and over lately, is something that I think is super cool. And I definitely want to give listeners that little piece of and I'm pretty sure this is something that you came up with and it's just totally awesome and so accurate so talk a little bit about your personal mantra and then when you really implemented that into your life 
Yeah. Oh man. Um, so like I said, my recovery has been anything but easy and you know, some of the physical things that I do, they may seem amazing, but again, if my, if I'm not taking care of my mind and I'm not taking, you know, care of what's inside, then I'm not going to be able to do any of these things physically. Um, so my personal mantra is it's the six, inch, six inches between our ears and what's behind our rib cage that dictate what we're capable of. Um, and I whole, wholeheartedly believe that. Um, you know, if you don't keep your, your head and your heart in the right place, you're not going to overcome whether it's the day-to-day or, again, some crazy physical feat that, you know, that you've had this, you know, that you've had your mind, you know, set up on for so long. Um, and honestly, I... I didn't have that personal mantra in place for the first two years of my recovery. You know, I really started to live, live my life by it. Um, when I introduced myself to the mountains, I'd say, um, you know, because any, anybody can go hiking, but nobody can climb up to 29,000 feet. That is Everest. Um, every step of the way you have to convince yourself to keep fighting. And I can't convince myself to keep fighting. Um, if I don't have a sound mind or a sound, or sound hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody needs to realize that you can convince your body to do anything. You can convince yourself to do anything. Um, but just remember like you control it. Um, you control how you, how you view it. You can tr- control how you react to everything, uh, but keep your head and your heart in the right place. So for somebody that doesn't necessarily have, you know, we all have different levels of personal strength and mental fortitude and drive and determination and, and that's great. We're all individual. So for somebody who has, let's say, a wavering sense of worth and a wavering sense of determination and a wavering ability to get up every day and to, to go through the hard things, what would you say to that person listening that needs an extra kick in the pants to just find their strength and find their why? Where, where, where would you encourage them to start looking and how, how to gain that? Honestly, uh, I say it time and time again, you know, you control your circumstances. They do not control you. Uh, Everything's a choice. You choose how you react to everything. You choose what your goals are going to be and how you're going to get to that point. The moment you realize everything is a choice, it's all going to come to come, come together. I, um, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. You Mm -hmm. control it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to be the devil's advocate because sometimes I like to do that. And I'm going to say, <laughs> <laughs> so those words are so much easier said than done. And I know that you know this from, you know, places in your life that are probably a little bit darker. You can know that. You can know that it takes a choice and you can know that it just takes lacing up your boots and getting the hell outside and, and to, to start somewhere. But how do, you, how do you make that first initial momentum happen? Like, what is the, the, the grittiest part of just starting? Well, first and foremost, you know, like you said, yeah, I can say that all day long. But I also want people to know that be patient with yourself. It's okay to get mad. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset. Um, like I said, you're going to hit high highs. You're going to get hit low lows. This is life. <laughs> like, and it's going to throw you curveball after curveball, and it's going to knock you down. But you can turn around and tell life that they hit like a bitch <laughs> and get back up. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is being patient. You know, recognize that it's okay to be frustrated. And it's okay, like you said, to like 
to be upset with just the gritty parts of being able to make that change or to overcome something mm-hmm. uh, and be just be patient with yourself. And I think the moment that we recognize that it's okay to feel those things, that's the moment that we realize it's also okay to let go of those things. Yes, it exists. Yes, we're thinking those things, but it's also okay to, okay to move past those things. Um, and then outside of that, you know, like I said, stumble and fall. Let yourself, let yourself fail. Mm-hmm. Um, again, easier said than done, but that's, that's the beauty of it all. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. But when you get back up and knock off the dust and you continue to move forward, you're going to be a stronger person. You're going to be a better person. So, so dead on. So absolutely right. And I think that we, we all get to places where we're either frustrated or we're pissed off or we're hurt or we're defeated. And we, we feel like we need to just move past that. We feel like we don't, we shouldn't feel that way. So we're constantly looking for how do I get out of this mindset and get back to whatever normal is. And you're right. Like, it's okay to be pissed off. It's okay to feel defeated. It's okay live there for a second. Don't pack all, you know, don't unpack all your shit and live there though. You know, make it, make it temporary, make it, make it this, you know, short lived spot where you go, okay, I am defeated right now. And what I do next will determine if I find success or not. Yep. Absolutely spot on. (laughs) So if you could go back and I don't, I'm not somebody that like is about living in regrets or going back and undoing things. But if you could go back and tell yourself one thing as a younger woman, what would that advice be to Kirstie when she was younger? Oof, it would it would be to have thick skin, um, keep a chip on my shoulder, and keep my head down. Um, I think we all get so roped up in, in what's going on around us, and we let unnecessary things affect us. Uh, you know, if, if somebody has something um, to say about you or has ill will towards you, that's their problem. You know, um, I think growing up, I let a bunch of petty things affect me. And ultimately, looking back, I had no reason to. Um, You know, what's going on around you, it shouldn't affect you. Unless it's like 100% your family, your friends, or you did it. Don't let, you know, trivial things bring you down. I love it. And I needed that advice, too, because we definitely live in a world where the acceptance of others or you know, the, the likes or the follows or the popularity or the opinion that somebody else gives of us sometimes has more weight than what we're doing in life and where we're going and on the things that we're focusing on. So I think that's really good advice to, you know, just put your head down and grind. They're watching. Just let them watch and do your thing. <laughs> that's it. I think, like, I mean, you were kind of, I mean, you were spot on too. Again, like you mentioned the likes and the follows and you know, it's, we live in a day and an age, or even 10 years ago when I you know, was first joining the Marine Corps, like, we live in a day and an age where society wants us to compare each other, like, or compare ourselves to one another. You know, society wants us to question why we don't look like so-and-so, or why we're not wearing the same clothes. Um, and the reality is, is, compete with yourself. That's it. Look in the mirror every day instead of looking on Instagram or Facebook and compete with yourself. You be a better version of yourself every single day. Um, that's that's my biggest qualm with with the social media thing. <laughs> like, you're right. I I actually touch on social media a lot because even so, I've been coaching clients for like 15 years, and I can even see how social media has affected 
my clients drive and their willingness to step outside the box and do hard things and to, to dig into themselves and to work towards their goals because we get so wrapped up, like we take our bathroom or our phones to the bathroom with us, you know, to kill time <laughs> while we're in there. Like we, we take a flight and usually you would just, you know, not have a device. And now we can log on to Wi-Fi and check Facebook and look on social media. And I will be, I will be totally bold to say every single one of us at some point or another gets wrapped up in comparing what we're doing, what we look like, what we have, how much money we make, what our house looks like to somebody else's pictures, to somebody else's lives. And the fastest way to like feel like shit and to feel like what you have isn't good enough or that you're not pretty enough or that you're not capable enough or you're not smart enough is to compare. Like go ahead and and pull up Instagram and tell me, yes, it can build beautiful relationships and it can introduce new people and it can help you share your mission, which is amazing. But it has the potential to do so much damage to people's psyche that you you really have to have a good perspective and a good grasp on what you're using it for and how you're using it and, and the way you're allowing it to make you feel. Otherwise, it can destroy things. Yep, completely. Yeah, if it doesn't have a positive effect on you or it doesn't make you feel good when you're looking at it, do away with it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's maybe some of the best advice, <laughs> maybe some of the best advice yet. But, um, again, I just hate to sound like a total tard, but I appreciate you so much. And I hope that you can feel even a fraction of my genuineness. When I say that you change lives and I appreciate your journey and I have sympathy for what you've been through, but I'm also so thankful that what you've been through has led you to this place because I know that your journey is saving the lives and changing the lives of men and women who have served or who have not served or who are just walking through hell right now. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, I, I appreciate you so much. So, Thank you again for taking the time to, to be on here and to just sit down and to encourage other people because at the end of the day, what I want to do is build community for people to feel empowered to make the most out of their lives as humanly possible so they're kicking ass and, you know, sharing that with other people. So, um, Kirstie, if people want to reach out and get in touch with you or ask you questions or send you encouragement or learn more or maybe give back to the Kirstie Ennis Foundation. Can you give them some places where they can get in touch with you? And obviously, we'll put this in the show notes as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, first and foremost, thank you for those amazing words. I am so happy to be chatting with you today and so thankful that you brought me on to be to be a part of the community that you're building. Um, and for those of you that um, you know want to be a part of what I'm doing too, feel free to check us out again on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. It's just my name, Kirstie Ennis, or head on over to the website. Um, it's kirstieennisfoundation.org. Awesome. Well, we're going to be keeping up with you. When are you doing the Everest Summit? When do you start that journey? So I leave the country March 30th. I get there April 1st, and uh, we'll start the trek in around April 4th um, and be out of touch for a couple of months. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm already thinking about you, and just uh, I hope that a couple of those steps that you take along the way, you think of us, and we'll be thinking about you for sure. So you said on your website we'll be able to keep a, kind of a live tab occasionally on where you are? 
Yep, absolutely. You'll actually be able to, you'll have access to GPS coordinates so you can see where I'm standing. <laughs> wow, that's absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, I wish you the best. And again, I appreciate you coming on. I thank you very much. Your journey is an amazing one and uh, one worth sharing. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.